0: Today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. The season of Epiphany, the third season of the year, uh, will take us into Ash Wednesday, which is coming very quickly at us. Ash Wednesday initiates Lent, a time of preparation for Holy Week, and then Easter, then Pentecost, and then we move into the wonders of the church, filled with the Holy Spirit again. Today, Jesus is going public. For 30 years, he's lived in obscurity in the insignificant Northland in a nowhere town called Nazareth in an unimpressive regional zip code, Galilee. Having lived 30 years of normal village life, he hears and responds to the call of John's baptism. Lined up around the River Jordan, he takes his place Among the masses, he's worked as a carpenter his entire life, supporting a single mother's home. Joseph is nowhere to be found, having passed away earlier, we believe. He became a craftsman, attended synagogue, learned the scriptures, obviously, we see later on, and has been a responsible son. No ministry, no miracles, No teaching is recorded until after this mysterious encounter with John the Baptist in the mud of the Jordan. He's coming to be baptized for the remission of sin. John knows enough about Jesus to question his request. In an awkward exchange, John concedes and baptizes Jesus. This is his public inauguration To fulfill all righteousness, to be vicarious humanity, representing the whole of humanity plunged into the depths of the Jordan, past, present, and future, as John described, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His baptism is necessary for us and for our salvation, as the liturgy says. To inaugurate the mission of the second human being, the second Adam. To gather us up into himself, the one new humanity in Jesus Christ. At his baptism, Jesus provides a pattern for all who seek to follow him. He submits humbly to John's baptism. He is plunged into the water and arises in a state of prayer in Luke's gospel to experience the heavens opened over him and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon him and the voice of his Abba, his Father, proclaiming his kingly, prophetic identity. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This was his anointing for his father's mission. This is when the spirit came down on Jesus. And this is why after this we began to see miracles, deliverance, teaching, full-on ministry of Messiah is happening now. It's his going public. And so in light of this experience, let's reflect just for a brief moment on the Old Testament psalm and New Testament readings. Because they bear the same truth. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold, my servant. It's speaking of Jesus. The church has always seen this. Throughout the New Testament, this passage has been inserted into the New Testament, referring to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy of the servant of the Lord, all the servant prophecies. Isaiah 40 to 50 zone. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, my chosen one. The Father is repeating these words. My chosen one in whom my soul delights, spoken right there by the Father out of heaven. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. When did this happen? There was a mysterious anointing that came on Jesus for service at this moment even though he was fully God and fully man. This anointing doesn't make him fully God and fully man. This is an anointing for ministry. I have put my spirit upon him. When? Upon him. At that moment, he plunged into the river. Psalm 89. I have found David my servant. Here it is again. David. This is the greater David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. There again, when? At the baptism. Peter is speaking to the first non-Jewish household to become Christians, Cornelius. Holy Spirit breaks into his sermon. Peter says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee... After, after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When did this inauguration, this going public, this anointing happen? At his baptism. Water baptism is the most primal of the sacraments. Drawing from the first creation account, it communicates a new creation in play. Genesis 1, the word Genesis means beginnings. Our baptism is a new beginning, a new Genesis, a new creation taking place. Genesis 1-1 describes an initial earth formless and empty with darkness over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the primal waters before anything else was created. And God said, let there be light. So he created an earth formless and void, but there needed other components like light. And then he needed to separate those waters. I think it's the fourth verse in Genesis 1. And note this, the waters were separated in the first creation. The heavens are separated in the second new creation, at the baptism of Jesus. Our life begins in water and slides out into this noisy world very wet. Newborns are approximately 75% water. In the Old Testament, water is the image of both chaos and life. Jesus uses water to describe being born from above, speaking to Nicodemus. Referring to baptism, Jesus tells Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Jesus is drawing from the first creation story. He's saying that plunging into the waters affects union with him in his death That's the chaos part. That's the death imagery of the waters. Going in and drowning that old nature. There's the death. And coming up out of the waters, affecting union with him in his resurrection. This is what Paul teaches in Romans 6. If you want to know more about baptism, go there. Those who obey the command to be baptized, and it is a command, and that's why it has sacramental effect. Because we, in obedience, are obeying a command. And because of that obedience, the sacrament works. And so, those who obey the command to be baptized through faith and grace come into union. Through faith and grace, come into union with Christ in his death and resurrection. This is how we come to be in Christ. This is how we get into the man, Christ Jesus, the risen Lord by following his example and obeying his command, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thus, baptism is entering a new life, being grafted into Jesus, being joined in his new creation, because the resurrected Christ is new creation, the prototype of what... All creation will be renewed and be like. Water and spirit is the doorway into the kingdom of God, says Jesus to Nicodemus. Baptism is the means of dying to the old humanity and rising in newness of life, joined to Christ in his new humanity. You've got to hear echoes of all of the teaching of Paul about incarnation and the new humanity in this one man. Ephesians will take you there. Colossians will take you there. And so baptism is the means of dying to one's old humanity, the old self, and rising in newness of life, Paul's language, joined to Christ in his new humanity, whereby we are united to the Holy Trinity. It's not Jesus only. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus takes us there in Himself, in His one new humanity through the Holy Spirit, and makes us sons by faith and grace to participate in His sonship by nature. He is Son by nature. We are sons and daughters by faith and grace. And so, baptism is a sacrament, a mysterious means of receiving God's grace. And not merely a symbolic ritual. For, on the day of Pentecost, Peter answers the question of the onlooking masses. What must we do to be saved? Sozo. Saved. In our evangelical America, this has very, very limited understanding. But when we understand what salvation is, it's healing. It's healing the cosmos. It's healing humanity. It's healing the world. Because he comes to take away the sin of the whole world, all of creation, you see, that's on tiptoe awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. He answers that question, what shall we do to be healed, (laughs) to be put right, to undo what the first Adam did? That's what he's asking. What do we do? Peter says, change your mind. Change the way you think. Repent. Change the way you look now at this message that I'm preaching because if you stay in the old creation, you will reject it. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Sacrament, right there. We don't separate this. The promise is for you and your children, Peter says, and for all who are afar off, For all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise is for you, but don't leave your children out of this, Peter is saying. It's for you and your children. Because the way in is not by works. The way in is through grace. The way in is not through understanding, or those who have no understanding could not be saved. Who have mental illness and other problems. The way in is through God's faith and grace, his faithfulness. When I say God's faith, God moves in faith because he's faithful. And he saves us through his faithfulness to us in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Benedict 16 says this. This is beautiful. Being submerged in the river is a symbolic representation of the process of death. An old life is buried so that a new life can rise. Because Jesus himself is without sin and has no old life to bury. His acceptance of baptism is an anticipation of the cross. Whereby he begins to share in our lot and to take upon himself our sins and our death. This is the beginning. He's not waiting until the cross. The cross is a completion of all of this, but it's beginning now. In his descent from heaven into humanity, into the river Jordan. At the moment he comes up out of the river, the heavens part, split in two, and from them is heard the voice of the Father acknowledging him as his son. The opening of the heaven is a sign that his descent into our night is the dawning of a new day that the barrier between God and humanity is being broken down by this identification of the Son with us, Emmanuel. God is no longer inaccessible. In the depths of our sins, he searches for us and brings us into the light again. To this extent, the baptism of Jesus anticipates the entire drama of his life and death and at the same time explains them to us. For today's feast, the Eastern Orthodox liturgy proclaims, the one who was born of an unwed virgin is revealed to be the Son of God, with the Spirit of God resting upon Him, and the Father Himself proclaiming His Sonship to all. The one who is concealed in the depth of the earth in a cave begins his ministry, openly proclaiming the gospel to all. The one who appeared as a weak infant is revealed to be the Lord of creation. By descending into the Jordan, Christ has made known the true knowledge of God as Father, revealed by his Son and known in the Spirit, the Trinity whom we worship. By descending into the Jordan, Christ has brought illumination to the world so that we may all live in the light of the gospel. By descending into the Jordan, Christ has transfigured the waters and all creation so that we also may be transformed, reborn in the same waters to live in his kingdom. As a human being, says Father John Bear, Christ approaches the Baptist and in this act of condescension is revealed to be God. Recreating creation, making it new creation, by the transforming power of His divinity. Christ does this as a human being so that it is possible for us to enter into this mystery. He doesn't trample on creation by a humanly conceived divine omnipotence, a display of power. Rather, he manifests his divinity through his self-emptying so that we might follow him on this path of humility and be baptized in him. We are carried by him as he descends into the Jordan. I just love that image of Jesus carrying us all as he goes into the waters of the Jordan. So that the grace of the Jordan is extended to each of us through our baptism in him. By his own passage through the Jordan, Father Bear continues, Christ sanctifies creation. So that the whole world is now for us the River Jordan. And as we pass through our lives desiring his appearing, if the world has been recreated, Christ being the firstborn of creation and the prototype of this recreation, we enter into this renewed creation and we do so by following him, Christ Jesus Through our own baptism, which is always a baptism into his death and resurrection. Requiring our own death to this world so that we might live with him in this world. Today, let us pray that we may have the fortitude to pass baptismally through the waters of this world. Can you see that? As we are sent forth into the world today, may we pass baptismally through the waters of this world, our own River Jordan, that we may also appear like Christ When he appears. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.